rock hard. <laughs> you keep that in. Hello and welcome to Is This Anime? I'm your anime expert, Jack Metcalf. And I'm the guy who knows nothing about anime, Malcolm McLeod. And joining us once again is Sasha Husband, our lovely editor. Hello. Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. And yeah, thanks for joining us for week five of our Cowboy Bebop coverage. We are covering the final episodes of Cowboy Bebop the series. Uh, spirit, spirit, spirit. All right, I think we should just get into this. Um, hey, guess what? Episode 21, Boogie Woogie Feng Shui. Jet episode, yay! Actually, I'll say this. This is the best Jet episode. Would you folks agree? I do agree with that. Yeah, I think that's an easy case because the other ones were... <laughs> Oh, Jet. Yeah, I feel like when you look at uh, like the other solo episodes, whether it's like Faye, Spike, you know, even like Ed and Ayn, uh, they I feel like their solo episodes are a little better than when Jet goes off on his own. And yeah, like <laughs> Black Dog Serenade is probably number two, but I feel like this was the best one. I always feel like his episodes, like I don't know, I don't know if it's because they are slower than the other episodes, but they just like. They always feel like they're lacking something. Because I feel like he's a great character, and he's got like a lot of substance, and there's like a really interesting backstory. But I've, every time I'm just like, ah, like I just wanted a little more, like a little different. Yeah, this is a fun one. I think it's also because uh, Jet gets to be paired up with a fun new character. Who's yeah. creeping on the entire episode. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. They, maybe. They always, they're, they're skirting <laughs> that line. They're like, they're like, hi, well, I could be uh, your boyfriend. Oh no! I'll, and I'm just like, no one's like, no one's saying worried that. about that for you. No one's been like, yeah, this these two look like a couple. It's like, no, you are an older man, and she's a younger woman, and you're friends or were friends with her dad. So it's like, I don't, you're more like he kind of says he's like it's an uncle thing. It's like, well, I think yeah, the you're problem an- is that. The, all the other members of the Bebop are trying to ship them. They're like, so uh, is this going to become a thing? And he's like, you're being weird. And then he starts to affect him, and he makes that boyfriend reference. And he's like, oh, fuck. Yeah. I totally uh, agree with that. And it's, it, it's, it is a weird shipping. You're like, no, I, these, I mean, you realize later that you're like, oh, yeah, these are all like, I mean, you shouldn't really take like what Ed says with any sort of substance, like in terms of like this kind of stuff. Uh, like if Ed's going to talk about computers or whatnot, it's like, okay, listen to Ed. But like here, you're just like, well, do you need to listen to Ed? Ed is a child. Ed is a child. Ed is yeah. a child. A, a very silly child. So yeah, so this episode, it's about Jet receiving a mysterious message from his buddy Powell, which leads him to the grave of Powell. And then there's this girl who it turns out is Powell's daughter. Her name is Mayfa, and some syndicate thugs or whatever are trying to trying to get them. Um. Yeah, and we already talked about the creeping, the the weird creeping in this. Uh, and we learned about the power of feng shui. And did, did anyone uh, feel the, uh, it's it's called a low pan, but the low pan is done in this very dated CGI. Did that, did, do you guys find that distracting at all? Not at all. I thought that, I mean, look, when you're looking at old animation like this, you have to take some of those things with a grain of salt. Like there are times where, the bebop will be over a planet and you could just tell that the planet's surface is just a shitty texture that they threw on top of a an orb um this i actually didn't mind i i did take note of the fact that it was cgi but i'm like you know what that was fine for the time and it didn't take me out at all and uh yeah i don't know if anything i just thought it was an interesting set piece for the whole episode 
Yeah, okay. I agree with Sasha there. I mean, you have to like, I have to remind myself, like, yeah, this was made in the nineties. This was a, this is also a television show. This wasn't like a movie. They didn't have the highest budget, but it works. Like it, it works mm-hmm. stylistically. It's pretty consistent with like the other like stylistic elements of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was, I felt like I was like, yeah. I mean, it didn't take me out of it. Not as much as like other uh, things we've covered on this podcast. Yeah. Okay. You also have to keep in mind that this would have been broadcast on CRT TVs in standard um. definition. And all of that would have looked very acceptable at the time. I think the fact that we blow it up onto these huge screens years later, we will see the Im- imperfections in HD that at the time they just didn't have to consider. Because it's like, oh yeah, this will just be smoothed out by the glory of standard definition yeah, yeah. That's a, they weren't that's thinking a, they, they they weren't even prepared for plasma televisions at that point yeah a thing that doesn't really exist anymore no yeah. no it's all, about the, it's, it's all about the k's baby there's 4k 8k i'm sure we'll get 12k it's all about the k's yes yes <laughs> <laughs> what, um, what, what what happens if there's three k's I'm sorry. What happens? You should say it. And you have Mr. 3000 starring Bernie Mac. Take a, Release the uh, Mr. 3000 cut. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, so we yeah. get more Astral Gate stuff. Again, I don't know why, but during my first two viewings of this show, I was just never really uh, paying attention to the Astral Gate stuff, and now I see it everywhere. So yeah, this is another another episode where the Astral Gate incident plays a role. Because they're going after the Sunstone, which is a piece of the moon from the gate incident. Yeah, that's the thing I didn't understand. I was like, did I forget about, like, why the Sunstone was important? And I feel like I was just reminded, and which I did not really clue into until now. Now when I hear Astral Gate, I, I pay attention instead of just ignoring it. Yeah, I guess it's... It's a big part of the mythology. Like, this and, like, the syndicates, which are, it's weird because... These are both things that are obviously in the background. I mean, the syndicates, we'll talk more about it later, uh, I'm sure. But, like, I don't know. They're always, like, in the background. But I never quite understood their influence on the show. Uh, they're just like, oh, the end, you know, got to make sure you don't, you know, cross the syndicate. I, I wrote down the word syndicate so many fucking times in my notes. Well, because there's th- this episode's the Blue Snake syndicate. And then there's the Red Dragon syndicate later. Is there another syndicate? I don't know if there's one that's mentioned, but yeah, it certainly comes up a lot. I mean, my my whole opinion of the the uh, references to the syndicate go with the analysis that Cowboy Bebop is, as a whole, an epilogue for a whole load of stories that happened before the series even starts. You could say that Spike's whole journey could have been examined in the events leading up to cowboy bebop and it would have felt like a complete story and this is kind of everyone's story collectively winding down like spike has already like left the most exciting part of his life Faye, yeah is trying to like find herself like jet is pretty much like on his last kind of legs as a uh literally and figuratively yeah he's got one leg left um but uh for me, I'm I'm perfectly fine leaving the syndicate as something that is just alluded to, and you kind of go, okay, well, they're probably like any crime family where they probably control like um, 
some kind of industry and probably smuggle something or they run some kind of drugs. Um, and that's yeah. probably what they all got mixed up in before the events of the story. Yeah. Listen, the syndicate, if anyone's asking, they produce very good <laughs> olive oil and only olive oil. Delicious, delicious. Um, base olive oil. I, I like the moment where uh, where Spike and Faye they're smoking in front of uh, Mefa, and then Jet tells them it's a non-smoking area now. Yeah, yeah, because they bring that back, and it's like, and this non-smoking area is now a smoking area. <laughs> um, also, did then, you notice that like the gravestone, the year, the um, the dad twenty twenty one. Yeah. Oh, we're now in the timeline of uh, of the show. Which, well, this this plays into something that I noticed uh, or I wanted to research because of that um, that gravestone. I was like, wait, if that was when this character was born, it's 2071 in the uh, in the contemporary moment of the show. I was curious because Faye was born um, before the disaster. I'm like, when was Faye born? And she would have been younger than we are now because she was born in 1994 in the <clears throat> uh, chronology of the show. And I thought that was interesting because it's like, she seems like such an older, I mean, relative to us as sort of like uh, adults in their late 20s, early 30s. I'm like, well, she must be in her 30s, but she would have been younger than us. I don't know. Just an interesting yeah. little detail. She's, yeah. she's the age of my sister. Yeah, when I, one thing I've learned uh, while watching this uh, is that uh, every character in every anime is not the age you expect them to be, uh, and you have to accept it or you will lose your mind. <laughs> that's that's so, true. I've been um, broken. I've been broken down. <laughs> uh, I think this this show is like more acceptable. Like I think Mafe is probably like you know twenty or something. I would assume. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, she they they all like she seems like she's at least like a young adult, whereas like you know it would have been weirder if she was like sixteen and then they're making those like this was another show jokes. If this was another show, she'd be fourteen. Probably. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, Spike's already kind of a little younger than he probably should be. It is probably the one thing the live action show, like as I've thought about it, is maybe getting right is that they are casting an older actor because Spike, you know, acts and behaves like someone who is probably is at least in his late 30s, just based on like the recklessness that he has, but also like it's very controlled and measured. Uh, So like him being like 21 doesn't make any sense. In that no, also considering that he lived like a hard, full life up until like the start of the show. I mean, it's alluded to that, you know, he probably did some like terrible things when he was part of this syndicate. And you can see that in how somber he is throughout the show. And yeah. I don't think like, you know, casting Timothy Chalamet would capture the same kind of broken down kind of qualities that come from having those types of experiences. He's got the curls for Spike, though. He's got the curls for Spike, I'll say. Hair for days. There for days. Um, back to the plot. So we learned that Powell, he was a consultant for a major syndicate, and he leaked info to Jet when he wanted to get a way out. This whole sequence with the sunstone and the fact that like uh, Ed has to drop it uh, in the, the toilet, and then Spike has to blast it with his plasma cannon, and then it unleashes a vortex. That went to places I did not expect. Sasha, you're you're better at this than me. Where exactly was Powell? Was he just in like another dimension or what? Well, as a um, astrophysicist, uh, theoretical astrophysicist, which I am, um, 
I actually, I don't know. I just figured that he was trapped in the um, sort of that hyperspace between like um, between gates and that he couldn't really make it out of there. Yeah, I, I, I don't have an explanation for how exactly so, like they didn't go into that. Oh, OK, I thought it was yeah. like trip being cool, but my brain wasn't thinking too hard about that. I treated it the same way I treated um, watching Interstellar, where I went, that was dumb, but I accept it in this moment because that's what it's just supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. We, we get a reunion between uh, Powell so and So we can daughter. agree that Interstellar was dumb. I've never seen the movie. Good. No, there's. I have a whole thing with that movie. A lot you, of people are like, I was crying during it, and I was laughing. I, I was like there with you. I remember. We laughed. When- <laughs> so we get a touching reunion between Powell and his daughter. Um, you know, that was nice. I felt, I felt some emotions, some feels. And then at the end, um, she says, I used to hate you, but now I don't. So, yeah. And uh jet his uh he does this whole monologue and it ends with one thing has changed when i read the news i never check the horoscopes anymore i didn't really get that line i was like i was like what did was he reading a horoscope at the beginning like i feel like well, because because it's the, the power of feng shui he's gonna trust feng shui now i That's... thought that he was swearing off all superstition with that line being like fuck i don't want to have to deal with any of this shit anymore <laughs> I guess that's that makes more sense. Sasha, your reasoning makes more sense than mine. I was like, oh, he's going to take up feng shui now because his buddy Powell uh, yeah, was into that. that. Also, did you notice, uh, and this is like just confirmed to me as I was looking at the uh, like the Wikia for this uh, show, was like the two uh, thugs that were pursuing Jet, um, they looked like the Blues Brothers, right? Am I, was I crazy? I was like, they look, they were like, and then so I like looked it up again. I was like, that can't be. And then it's like, yeah, no. Blues Brothers. <laughs> All right, let's move on to Cowboy Funk. This is another one where I've noticed just through the uh, the previews of, of the Cowboy Bebop live action stuff, they're going to be adapting this one as well. So they're adapting quite a few of uh, the second half episodes, I've noticed, because they're doing... Um, they're doing... Lefou. They're doing Piero LeFou and then this one. So And they're also doing Brain Scratch. Um, it seems. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna. I, so yeah. you've got you've got takes on brain scratch as well. But let's talk Cowboy Funk, which is a which is a happy episode. This is a fun episode. Yeah. Uh, Teddy Bomber. Oh, Teddy Bomber. He's poor guy. He he just wants people. He just wants people to listen to his manifesto, um, which keeps getting interrupted throughout the episode. It's funny how prescient this episode felt, even though it was made 20 years ago. And I, I figure that, you know, at the time people were discussing this to a degree, but there were sentiments that Teddy Bomber was talking about with regards to capitalism and consumption, which has been very much on the forefront recently. I mean, this is getting into his manifesto, which keeps getting interrupted throughout the episode. Yeah. Well, Teddy but... Bomber, in my opinion, is like uh, clearly inspired by uh, Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber. Yeah, that's yes. what I was thinking of. And like his manifesto is this guy is Teddy Bomber's manifesto. Like if you've ever like looked into it, he is, you know, Ted Kaczynski was all about like the worries, you know, worried about consumerism and technology. And like he was kind of predicting a lot of the things that like ended up happening. He unfortunately had, you know, was driven insane and then was isolated and then, you know, blew up people instead of trying to find ways to like go about spreading his message. Uh, yeah. Cause didn't he blow up a state legislature like mall or something? He did. Yeah. It was like a state legislature. He like uh, sent packages to several like high ranking executives, like houses. 
Um, and then, I, yeah, but it was, I think those were like the two big ones. And he was only yeah. brought down because his, uh, his brother read the manifesto that he sent to a newspaper and realized it was his writing. Hmm. So like yeah. there was a if his brother hadn't read that, there's a chance he would have you know been free for at least a couple more years. Well, thank God Teddy Bomber doesn't uh, doesn't target people's lives; he just targets buildings. That's true. He just hates tall buildings and what they stand for and all that. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, Teddy Bomber he just has the worst luck. So anyways, he he uses teddy bears to uh, to blow up tall buildings. But then in the middle of uh, Spike confronting him, a guy named Cowboy Andy bursts through a window. Uh, but unfortunately, Cowboy Andy uh, isn't the smartest man. He, uh, what is it? Uh, he he doesn't, he says he's got instinct and inspiration. He, he doesn't need facts. He's got instinct and inspiration. Well, he's like a trust fund kid, right? So it's just like, he's got the, you know, the boldness that he doesn't have to really worry about his mistakes. Uh, and then on top of it, I mean, I, I mean, we're talking about that, like that masquerade they go to. I didn't oh understand what kind of masquerade that was. Like, we, that we'll was, get into uh, the masquerade because I have head. so much to talk about. There's a lot. There's a lot in the masquerade. Uh, so, so Cowboy Andy, he comes from the Young Men's Cowboy Association or the YMCA. <laughs> Which was, I love that. I was like, that's so good. Like, that's such a perfect... Uh, also, did I recognized his voice? Did you guys recognize his voice? He's the guy who voices Timmy Turner's dad, I think. What? Uh, yeah, no, uh, yeah, and Cosmo, uh, and like Cosmo. the actual. Yeah. yeah, he's also the uh, the Gordy the Jander from Ned's Declassified School Survival Guide. Really? Yeah, huh. Darren Norris. I was like, I kind of heard his voice. Huh. I was like, wait a minute. I love that. I mean, he's like one of those guys, at least from my childhood, from like watching those shows. Where he was always just like kind of around, and I'm, you know, I wonder what he's up to now. I assume he's doing more like children's shows, but yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. he does that, and I guess he does like he's like was in Veronica Mars and I Zombie, and like, you know, I'm sure he'll get cast more when like people of our age are running more productions and they're just like nostalgic for him. Yeah, to I show mean, up he's, because he's, they were fans of Ned's, like I was. <laughs> He's still working. He's still working. I see a bunch of recent credits. So he's doing good. Um, And he does a good job as Cowboy Andy. Um, So they they go to the masquerade and Jet has the best fucking costume. My God, this is is this. I think this is my favorite Jet moment in the whole series. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I did not. I did not know that. And I love it. Um, Yeah. But they are at this masquerade. They're trying to catch Teddy Palmer. And. I'm going to see if you guys picked up on this because uh, it sort of fed into the theme of this uh, masquerade, which was cultural appropriation. <laughs> because Cowboy Andy shows up. You hear his whistle coming from the elevator and they cut to two different groups of people. One is a what I can only describe as a man in blackface in a clown costume. <laughs> and then it cuts to a what looks like a white man wearing uh, a Native American headdress next to a woman wearing Native American clothing. And, you know, for all that this show is good at predicting the future, um, the writers in 1999 were not clued into, maybe this shit is not going to be cool in like, mm, maybe four or five years um, after it was made. And uh, 
Yeah, certainly not uh, in 2071 when this show is set. Yeah, but I, I will. I might the question with this is this is not a masquerade party, right? Like they keep calling it a masquerade party. This is a costume party. <laughs> like this is like it feels like a Halloween uh, party. Just as you said, it's incredibly insensitive. You have, you know, yeah, you have people in headdresses, and I mean, uh, you've got Jed as like this stereotypical hippie for some reason. Uh, Faye's got what is it? She's wearing like what the Venetian mask or something. She's wearing like some sort of mask. Um, she's the only one it, that came prepared for a masquerade. Yeah, she's actually the only one who it's like, wait a minute. She's like, this isn't a, a masquerade party. Uh, this isn't, you know, because it's like here's the thing: people were like. This, when this show came uh, out, this episode came out, like people were aware culturally of masquerade parties, all right? Eyes Wide Shut had just come out a couple of years prior. It was the hit. You had A-list couple, Tom Cruise, Nicole Kidman, showing it all in, a, in Stanley Kubrick's last movie that's very boring. It just bores you to tears. But, uh, but this is not it. Because, like, I mean, Teddy shows up. He's in a giant teddy bear costume. I'm not horny at all at any point in this. <laughs> That's what I thought a masquerade party was. It's like it's just like elites who are like horny, uh, and they're like playing the line of like what's tasteful and tasteless. You're right. You're right. Like, you don't should... want to know that you're like you know you're gonna you know bed you know the chief economist of like Bimo's wife in the back of this party, all right? You don't want to know that. <laughs> like you just like you're just like everything's like unspoken in a masquerade party. That's what I assume. I've never no, been me. to one. I haven't been invited to one. Uh and yeah. I don't know if you guys have either. No. Yeah, no, that's me. the keyword. Yeah. Constantly I'm... I have to turn down invitations to masquerade orgies, Malcolm. It's uh I'm getting inundated. If it weren't for COVID yeah, it would yeah. Be, uh... COVID's really just COVID's really fucked it up. All right, <laughs> I was gonna go to my first one. I was in a mansion in the hills, um, but this one also is like some in some sort of like skyscraper. And also, can we talk about how uh, Andy just shows up and he ruins the party, uh, this costume party, um, by bringing in a live like just a giant horse is there? That's very true. Yeah, Teddy Bomber sets off the bombs and escapes uh from the masquerade and then it stops becoming spike trying to claim this bounty and it becomes spike getting pissed off at cowboy andy which i thought was brilliant yeah no it's great i i love the the spike cowboy andy uh rivalry and then yeah we we learn we learn with uh face encounter with cowboy andy that he is just a trust fund kid who's just really into cowboys right now uh he also has son of a gun stew which uh faye's given a ton of that was hilarious. I was like, he, the fact that he just has his own like line of stew. <laughs> um, and canned stew is the worst. Yeah, you know, I don't he know does... if you've eaten a lot of canned stew in your life, but I, my dad went through a big phase when I was a kid, and I can't eat stew anymore. It's real sad. Didn't stew you and also chili. Say that your dad tried to um, introduce you to canned bread. Yes. Yeah. He he said he's like, hey, he said to me, he's like, Malcolm. Uh, would you like uh, to have a snack with me one evening? And I was like, yeah, I could have a snack. And then he's like, okay, perfect. You want maybe like some like, you know, toast and like peanut butter and maybe some bananas. I was like, yeah, that, that would sound good. And yeah, he goes into the kitchen. Uh, I don't see him take out any bread. Uh, I just like, I hear like a can 
like that. That's not how count sounds. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, and then, uh, yeah, well, he you know, walks in, there's uh, two can, you know, he's got some the peanut butter on the bread. And I take one bite of it. I'm like, this is also the bread's very circular. Like, and I'm not used to, you know, no one's used to seeing very circular bread. And then I took a bite of this. I was like, why does this taste so bad? And he's like, this was canned bread. I just, I bought it. I I really wanted to try it. (laughs) And uh, yeah. And then I found out later, he also was going to give me uh, canned bacon, but uh, he actually had to cook that and he didn't want to do that. Yeah, and also the other thing was this was like fifteen year old canned bread. He had bought it like from some sort of like some guy he knew who just like dropped it off because that's what my dad would do. He would just like have guys who would show up and it would be like, oh, you know, here's the the fucking canned bread one day, and the next day would be like just some gold. Teddy Bomber, he's done his bombing stuff. The crowd is freaking out, and then Jet says, "Calm down, folks. Remember peace and love." (laughs) That was a good. He becomes uh, Ringo Starr for a second. Yeah, peace and love. Peace and love. You know, Jet Jet's really into this hippie persona. He's he's really playing the part, as opposed to to Spike, who's just wearing a mask and he's not even he doesn't even have it fully on him. Yeah, no. Uh, I I love how Jet is just you know maybe maybe when he was younger he was a hippie too. So maybe this is just him getting back to his roots. Yeah, where to go? I doubt it. But I feel like he's. I feel like I doubt that he was a young hippie. But I feel like he's one of those guys who could like once he's like out of this life and he's like on like a home planet. He's not kind of doing bounties. He's just chilling around. That he could yeah. get into re- like really into pot, maybe some psychedelics, yeah. and he just like chills the fuck out. He's like, man, war's not worth it. I've been in war like my whole life. You know, he he loves his bonsai plants. I mean, I'm sure he can grow yeah. other plants. Yeah, no one who tends to a bonsai tree is not stoned out of their fucking minds i imagine that like i fa- i imagine that like the events of mushroom samba actually had zero effect on him and he was <laughs> living his normal life uh we we learned through the big shot crew that uh ted bauer is the name of teddy bomber uh he of course sends the host an absurdly long manifesto but they don't get to read it <laughs> they're just like sorry folks this is the end uh and the yeah, show got did... canceled i was really sad by that no it gets uh, canceled the next episode oh uh, we, we got one more big shot we got one more big shot um yeah but yeah poor teddy he just wants to be taken seriously and then the episode just moves on to spike's confrontation with cowboy andy um yeah it's a fun little fight and then it ends with uh andy finally acknowledging spike as the victor yeah yeah it was yeah. all well he was all yeah he says the line that ended every episode up until this point. Oh shit! He says he says what? Say you see you, space cowboy. Yeah, he sure does. Fuck. And then, I, when, then when Teddy Bomber is being uh, being taken away, um, who appears but Cowboy Andy doing some more cultural appropriation? <laughs> yeah. call, samurai. Call me Musashi. Yeah, he called. Yeah, I was like, oh, okay, so. He, He's just like the biggest weeaboo out there. Like he's just like yeah, he's just he's just he's taking just... it. Like he was a cowboy, like weeaboo for a long time, and now he's a samurai. He's going to be on a horse. It's like after this, Listen, I don't know. He becomes like a fucking like police, like a horse policeman. He might become a spaceman or something. You know, he's just a bored rich kid who gets it, who has obsessions, and then he ditches them when he gets bored. Exactly. Like as you could tell, it's like he clearly doesn't have it for this life. Like when they fight. Because uh, there's also that crazy sequence in the elevator 
where they're like basically climbing like on top of each other. Uh, even and they survived the explosion, which like should have immediately eviscerated both of them. But you know, they're young. They're you know men with determination. You know, a couple of teddy bear bombs is, aren't going to take down uh, Andy and Spike. It's very true. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, that last one where even like he gets like as Teddy's talking about his uh, manifesto in the back of the police car gets interrupted by Andy, and then the police officer is just like, or the jail guard or whatever, just is like, all right, well it's that's over now, <laughs> and just slouches down. It's very sweet. He puts a hand on uh, on Teddy's shoulder, like I'll listen to your story, even if no one else will. Because it's a, it's an interesting like manifesto to have, which is like you know what's the point? Like yeah, we just create waste when we're practicing capitalism without a philosophy, which is incredibly prevalent right now. <laughs> like we're seeing yes. like just sort of like you know it's all been building up, and we're seeing a lot of like you know labor movements and the rest of it as you know we kind of return from the pandemic, and people are realizing like hey, I don't have to, and I nor should I you know be subjugated to like terrible wages for too much work and just I'm constantly being exploited. Um, are, you, are you saying Teddy is right? Maybe. Maybe. Exactly. Maybe I'm saying, uh, yeah, maybe. That, kids. I, Let's go out and bomb some buildings that empty, people aren't empty. in. Yeah. That people <laughs> yeah, aren't in. People so, are not in them. So like, it's only they, property. Yeah. It's only property damage. Yeah. The insurance know? companies have to pay out They're The only victim here are the insurance companies. And even though he did bomb a building in which a quote unquote masquerade party was occurring in, no one was injured or died. Not even, yeah. no, not even a scratch on any of the uh, participants of that party. No. Yeah. Uh, brain scratch. <laughs> Let's talk about episode twenty-three. Brain scratch. This is this is a trippy episode, folks. I loved it. This is yeah. honestly in my top two. It might be my favorite really? episode of the whole show. This was just from the the beginning of the show, where you get like the Heaven's Gate esque like opening, where it's like you know, Londis is uh, Dow. If you know about, uh, or sorry, Doe. If you know about like the history of Heaven's Gate. Uh, Marshall Applewhite slash Doe, as he was known by his followers at the end. Just like, I was like, I'm in. <laughs> like, this was great. I loved it. It was so like, there's like no action in this episode, yet I was just so engaged with it the whole way through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also like, speaking of uh, the themes in the last episode, this one felt incredibly relevant to today, just based on the prevalence of um, social media and especially VR. And as of the recording of this episode yesterday or the day before it was announced that we are now entering the metaverse. So if you're listening to this podcast in the metaverse, uh, welcome. Um, I'm sure we're shaking hands because that's how the metaverse works, right? We're all just digital now. Yes. Yes. And you know what they say, if you die in the metaverse, you die die in real real life. Yeah. It was like, God, there was a tweet where during the whole Facebook outage, um, people were just like, you know, this. they were just like, it's funny. But also remember, everyone in the Oculus, everyone who was wearing the Oculus Rift at the time is now trapped inside and can't escape. Yeah, they're all in the Matrix. That's how this works. <laughs> so obviously, episode very prevalent. We get a, we get a lot of television in this early bit, we, which I thought was fun. Like the uh, there was the one guy who was like doing a peace sign while uh, one of the ladies is reporting on the incident. Yeah. I mean, they were they were able to predict that that would not go away. 
Um, yeah. uh, no, nobody said like uh, for you know uh, what's the thing that people say when they're when they're on TV four twenty or I don't know. Yeah, they they just go on television like four twenty sixty nine. Um, yeah. hi mom. <laughs> I know. Or or now you say fuck Joe Biden, and then another reporter who uh, is in the distance trying to justify it goes. Let's go, Brandon. <laughs> if you've heard, <laughs> heard that, um, uh, yeah. But no, this one was interesting. Like even the the yeah, early ones. First of all, I don't know if you noticed it, but like the uh, news piece when like Spike's watching, and it's like it's CBC Action News. So I just yeah. want to say congratulations on uh, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation for winning the news wars. All right, <laughs> they won the news wars, much like Taco Bell won the fast food wars. All right, I no one saw that coming, but they. Pulled it out at the end. I didn't uh, expect them to continue existing like three years from now, let alone in 2071. So, um, yeah, the future is bright for Canadian broadcasting. Yeah, they're and they're yeah now they're action news. Uh, but there was also like that weird uh, channel at one point where they're watching where it's like the uh, voices blurred. The the host of it, I was like, is this like a parody on like a Maury, like Dr. Jerry Phil, Springer, Jerry yeah. Springer show. But it was like, there was a panel there and I was like, I guess it must've been like a very specific parody to a show airing in Japan at the time. Uh, Cause I, I wasn't sure what was going on, but like he, the host of that show was just like, you just need a husband or something like that. And I was like, <laughs> shut the fuck up. Uh, that was like the, one of the more dated pieces that, and then the ad for the VR where like they're like, let's throw away your wired controllers, as if like yes. they didn't even like factor in that like, oh maybe these will be wireless before VR. Also that it would take VR to like really show up uh, in the set like like a, over a hundred years, almost a hundred years later, and people like they finally figured out VR. I, I wrote in my notes, I'm glad graphics are better in our future. These video games look like shit. I do like the idea with the video games that they were advertising in that one ad that basically like you log in and then whatever game you want to come up with is generated that there's something kind of cool about that. Like in the game brain dream, you know what? Maybe the astral gate incident destroyed all video games. So they had to restart from scratch. Oh, see, that's why, that's why the technology isn't as good. Uh, so well, that's so- why it's called scratch in the first place. Yeah, well, yeah, oh. exactly. So there we go. That's that's my headcanon for why the uh, the video game graphics were bad in this uh, future. Yeah, because when you see Faye, you kind of go like, oh, she's just like undercover and she's like, she's going to go and like, she's joining the, well, I guess she's like joining the group to get out of her debt. Um, and she does have that like ominous line, which is like, without a body, I have no need for money, <laughs> which I was mm-hmm. like, that's sad. It's very Faye, though. It's very Faye. Faye just wants to. <laughs> Faye just wants to deal with her debts. And then uh, you know we, we're seeing we kind of cut back. Finally, we're sort of taken out of all the like this channel skipping, and we see like um, you know Jet is sort of the one tasked with investigating. Uh, and it turns out Doctor Lundis, who is the leader of Scratch, who's like again our Marshall Applewhite for those who are fans of uh, Heaven's Gate, which I don't know why you'd be a fan of Heaven's Gate um our surrogate for him uh you know that he's you know wanted for murder and there's a bounty on him and this is the episode where big shots gets canceled unfortunately which is also an indicator that this show is going to be ending very soon now you know now with big shot canceled you're like oh shit now we're in the end game as um as dr strange would say 
No, it's interesting, like, with this show in general, like, just to talk about it more, like, you know, taking a step back is that this this show clearly has this, like, arc that it, it builds to. And it's really cool to see even back, because this is, like, pretty unheard of in, like, the 90s. Like, you'd think, like, a show like this kind of creatively popping and, like, popular, they would just have been like, no, we're going to run it forever. Uh, but instead, like, the fact that these creators were just like, no, we've got our 26 episodes and you know we're gonna go and we're gonna build to this. Well, now we know we're seeing like them end it all. Well, um, I, I should specifically not- say it was Watanabe's Shinichiro Watanabe, the creator of the series, who was who was the one who was like, "Yep, I'm just doing it." Because uh, as I talked about in our history segment in the very first episode, way back then, um, he said, "Yeah, he just he wanted to have a definitive ending because he didn't want Bebop to go on like Star Trek." That was that was his wording. He just didn't. Yeah, he was just like, "I'm gonna do 26 of these. I'll do another show. I'll do a Bebop movie for the fans, and that's it." I appreciate it. I think you're. I mean, we're seeing that now more in television, like over the last 10 years, like with the rise, because this like kind of comes just as like we start seeing shows like Oz and The Wire and The Sopranos and like those kinds of shows start popping up, where it's like pretty clear that they have an arc. Like the fact that this was sort of like a pioneer in that front it's really cool to see and that mm-hmm. yeah like it's like with the show being canceled it's like okay so that means there's you know the bounties are gonna like start you know drying up and you know people are closing shop and yeah i don't know it's really interesting it's also cool to see it done in a episodic fashion rather than serialized because you kind of retroactively have to put it all in perspective where if it was very clear like oh we know that like these are the events that are going to happen but it all just feels very organic and they have these beautiful adventures and they lead to a natural conclusion that feels satisfying and somewhat melancholic but you're like it all makes sense in the uh in the context of the journey that all the characters went on oh absolutely like it's you know that's i i totally agree with that yeah so they like go in and they're gonna like go and join the the cult and yeah, but they didn't want to like obviously out Jet or anything. Yeah, so he gets the, the crazy name of Marshall Banana. Yeah, and then uh, and then Ein is like biting Jet, and then Ein finally gets to do something with his data dog skills. We're just like, oh shit, Ein finally does something. That was cool. I I like that Ein went crazy and was just like, no, 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 no. Like this is bad. This is bad. In that, like, I was like, this is like the one time a dog bites someone and like pretty aggressively because like we see it jet having to clean his bite wound uh but it's like he's a good boy he deserves the head scratches because he saved jet (laughs) yeah no um for an unspeaking dog it was cool to see ein strapped into the uh into the vr and being like all right i'm gonna start like (laughs) making use of yeah as you said his abilities and you could just see his head twitching like crazy it's he had this ability this whole time but he couldn't make use of it because no one put him into vr up until this point (laughs) he's just been just eating food on the bebop again yeah, it's, it's him it's, and uh uh ed are just hanging out again even Watanabe said he had he had more of a role plan for ein but uh it just did not happen so again this is yeah, that's uh, probably Ayn. the one one big like sat like disgrace of the show and there's no not really any disgraces of sat there isn't like an ein centric episode like i almost wanted like a silent episode where it's just ein like going off and doing stuff mm-hmm. uh because, like, there are moments where it's, like, he's, like, uh, in the last batch of episodes where he's talking to, like, the cow mm-hmm. uh, and stuff like that, where I'm just, like, yeah, I kind of, like, what if Ayn has to just go on a little adventure? Like, that would have been cool 
to have seen, but ah, uh, you know, we can't have it all. Maybe they'll do it in the live action show. I doubt that's, it. But that's that's where JoJo's Bizarre Adventure ones uh, one ups Cowboy Bebop because there is a two part uh, episode in Stardust Crusaders about Icky the uh, the French bulldog. Not a French bulldog. He's a Boston oh, fuck. Terrier. Fuck Boston Terrier. They're going to kill you now. The fans, the JoJo fans are going to, t- they know where you so, live. Especially the Boston Terrier fans. Uh, but no, Sasha, you know what I'm talking about. The Iggy centric episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Those two are uh, really emotionally affecting in a way that you don't expect from that character um, up until that point. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Ayn uh, showing his ability. Love it. Love it. Um, so yeah, we find out the secret of Londis. Um, he was actually created by some kid in a coma. It was, uh, what was the kid's backstory? He was like some hacker or some yeah, shit. Yeah, he was like a hacker. He was like a 13 year old hacker who like, I think he got like, he got like injured somehow. They were a little yeah. unclear about that, but he's like, oh yeah, it was like a medical accident. That's what they sort of use as a medical accident. Um, I think his name was, yeah, Rosny. Spanjin? Spanjin? Mm. I don't know. It's a weird name. I can't, it, it's hard to pronounce. But he, you know, so he's like in this coma. And I guess like because of that, they've put him in some sort of like, yeah, VR simulation to kind of keep his consciousness alive. And because of that, he ended up using, I guess, his hacker skills. Like he created Londis, who, like, by the way, before this, like before this reveal, we'd heard that like Londis, who's like 94. Uh, and, you know, no one had seen in person in a long time. He was only ever on the television screens. Um, he was like some sort of scientist that had gone mad and then went missing. Uh, and I guess uh, this kid had found him or f- like through the data of just like being on the the web on the metaverse. He was he was trying he was surfing the metaverse. God, I can't believe that's real life. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, and then, uh, yeah, so then he created him. Um, but there's like that sadness where like when uh, Jet's basically like and Jet and Ed are like basically taking him offline uh, where he's just like, I deserve to live. I deserve to be like, I deserve this. And it's just like you went too far. Like, you know, because yeah. he's like, I don't want to dream like alone or something, if I'm not mistaken. Because there's this because there's this also the, this is also paralleled to Spike finds this like area where all these bounty hunters have been lured to. And there's all these screens and they are making basically all these uh, bounty hunters like go to sleep forever. And he finds Faye. Faye's one of the people. She's like, you know, passed out on the ground, you know, slowly kind of starving to death. Um, And then also like the other thing we didn't mention was there's that fun sequence where Jet and Ed are like breaking into the hospital where this kid is. Jet's portraying his uh, himself as being as a father person, which is a reference we'll get into later uh yeah and it's just like oh my son he's like you know it's a si- you know a sister and like and then the, even the the security guard is like oh is that a, a like a boy girl like i it's you know i'm not sure <laughs> like which is again a thing that's you know referenced even later yeah and has been the whole show which i love i gotta say i love that you know yeah, it was. Uh, it's a good episode. I don't, it's not in my top five, but I th- I think it's a uh, definitely a top tier one. I'll admit that it was one that I had completely forgotten about until I rewatched it, and upon rewatching it, it was it was beautiful in a way that like yeah, because I had that distance of not remembering, I contextualized it in today's terms. And when I first watched the show in two thousand nine, 
some of the science fiction elements of VR, which were too far-fetched, like hit a lot more closer to home. And it was very cool to see how relevant some of those themes are today. Um, yeah, very cool that they were able to predict the, that. The show predicts a lot of things, just like 9-11. Um, <laughs> way to go, taking Teddy Bomber, taking down those Te- buildings. Yeah, well, well that's I was going to that's, that's, that's a clear Ted Kaczynski reference. No. Ted, Teddy Bomber went into two identical <laughs> towers to blow oh, them shit. up. Oh, yeah. That episode was delayed its broadcast by like three months because, uh, yeah, it was supposed to be um, premiered in, I think, October of 20 or 2001. And then it had to be pushed back to February of 2002. Yeah, fair enough. I'm not going to dispute that one. Nope. Uh, Hard luck woman. Um, So we open up with this episode with Faye watching videos of her past. She starts to fixate on a statue and Ed recognizes it. Uh, So they end up going back to Earth. And yeah, Earth with its uh, Astral Gate incident once again playing a big role in this episode. I'll say right off the top that uh, this episode I remembered quite vividly from when I first watched the show. Like my recollection was pretty strong. But the emotional effect this time around, it hit me completely differently. It was so poignant and so melancholic in a way that I don't think I could wrap my mind around when I was uh, 18, but as like a 29-year-old and seeing how Faye's arc concludes and how Ed, her arc, sort of comes to an end as well. I I don't want to reveal too much getting into the towards the end of the episode, but... um, yeah, I mean, again, the, the Faye episodes, in my opinion, are pretty much always my favorite. Uh, they're just consistently great. Yeah, this is this is a Faye and Ed uh, two-hander. Um, I do love uh, the child endangerment that Faye does with Ed, where she ties uh, Ed up onto her sh- onto the top of her ship. But Ed, like, like Ed's enjoying themselves. Like Ed, Ed likes it. Like Ed's like, Ed, I feel like that was Ed's suggestion. Like I feel like Faye was like. I mean, I'll do it. Like, I, if you really want to, and Ed's like, yeah, do that. Because, like, the whole time Ed's just like screaming and like joy. It's just like, yeah, woo. Like, that's what Ed's doing in that scene. I mean, Ed is a Bugs Bunny character. <laughs> that's the thing. Ed is, Ed is, uh, elastic. Oh, yeah. I mean, Ed's like, you know, sleeping on the floor, like walking on all fours. Uh, Meanwhile, there's this other man who's conducting experiments. Uh, He'll play a role soon enough. There's also a bunch of kids in this junk heap that um, Faye and Ed are in, and they're all Ed-like. And the reason they're Ed-like is because Ed used to be part of this group of kids. Uh, And they're, they're all part of like a kind of a nunnery. It's an orphanage. Yeah. Sad to see the Catholic Church is still prevalent in 2071. Well, maybe maybe the good parts of the church, maybe the Pope isn't around anymore, but maybe maybe someone has just adopted the the good parts of Catholicism. Yeah, well, maybe like, yeah, in the Astral Gate incident, all of all, all records of the Catholic Church have been erased. And now we've just are left with a handful of nuns and priests who are the good ones. Well, Spike even refers to Christianity when they mention the YMCA. So, yeah, so yeah I guess that is. Toronto. Yeah. And, yeah. and Shinichiro Watanabe, I think, also has an affinity for uh Catholicism because he has a show called Kids on the Slope, which uh, Catholicism figures pretty heavily into. Um, there you go. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know. T- I I need to look up some interviews of, on uh, about Watanabe regarding that subject. So interesting, interesting little part of his life. I don't know if he was raised Catholic or something because there is like a small 
percentage of Catholics in Japan. Let's talk about um, the person who Ed recognizes when uh, she finds a hologram in the church. Uh, This is Ed's father. Uh, Malcolm, what did you think of Ed's father? (laughs) It was a shock. I was definitely much like uh, Spike and Jet. I was like, what? What do you mean Ed's father's alive? Because you like where we find Ed, Ed is like, you know, when Ed's introduced, Ed's like basically like flying drones like in like the tropical area. And then, you know, it turns out Ed's within this, I guess, I don't know how to say it. Ed's like was in obviously this orphanage. And then now it's like you meet him. But then you realize you're like, you see the father and how the father behaves. And you're like, wait a minute. He's very much like Ed. He's just like constantly on the go. He's like doing something. He's got his assistant. Like, it's just like, he's just go, go, go. Like he... I love this phrase when he like meets Ed later or like reunites with Ed later. Uh, he goes, thanks for taking care of my son. Or uh, was that my daughter? <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Yeah. Again, Ed, Ed's gender is meaningless, meaningless to even her own uh, father. Which I was, I was like, that's pretty cool. Meaningless or there's just an androgynous to uh, her character that people are like, uh, she kind of represents anything. Um, I, I, I found like everything to do ed's reunion with her father just so so kind of sad because up until this point you don't see ed have a particular emotional investment in the events of the show but it's upon reuniting with her father and then seeing him just like take off almost instantly that it has like this really sad effect on her where she just realizes that the person that she's been looking for this whole time will like jet off at a moment's notice without her because yeah i mean she's basically been replaced by that assistant macintosh like McIntyre. her role could have been just being macintosh but instead like the dad's you know i don't even know what the dad's doing um uh, like, what they're do- doing is they're trying to create maps of the world because uh because the meteor showers keep destroying uh the landscape of the earth so their their job is to uh bring uh, order to chaos so they're they're going to map the world that for, to them will cause peace, but it's ultimately meaningless or not meaningless. But again, it, it's a job that can never be finished because of all the meteor showers from the Astral Gate incident. It's literally yeah. a job that can never be finished. And I think that we should go back to talking about phase um, phase storyline because she like realizes that she can identify the um, the lion statue, which for those who don't know, that's Singapore. That's a very iconic symbol of Singapore. The Merlion. If you happen to know that, you're like, okay, well, that's where Faye's supposed to be from IRL. Yeah, and then she goes back and she runs into an old classmate of hers who has somehow survived up until this point and is like ancient, ancient old woman in a uh, in a wheelchair. And she starts to slowly realize that she really doesn't have anywhere to go back to, or like everyone that she could possibly know is in a completely different stage of their lives compared to where she is at mentally. But then that feeds into kind of where, uh, what happens to, to Ed later on, because she makes, she realizes, um, that her family actually has a set address in Singapore. And she mentions to Ed that she's leaving because she's found a, she's found her home. And, and it's like, that's the one thing that you really need to like search for in this life. And after Ed's dad like takes off and leaves her behind, that's like the provocation Ed needs to finally leave the Bebop, which second time viewing this episode after 11 years since I had first watched it, 
I found that whole sequence to be pretty devastating, actually. Oh yeah, that was sad. Like I like this episode to me, honestly, like could have just been a finale. Like I this like you don't almost need the last two episodes. Like obviously it's a little, you know, you're not getting the resolution for like Jet and Spike the way that maybe you'd want. Although I, I you can make an argument that Jet doesn't have like the best resolution of the main characters. But this one is just like, you know, you have that devastating moment with Faye, you know, lying like in like the ruins, not even the ruins, just like the outline of her like childhood home, which was like a childhood mansion. Uh, and then, uh, you know, obviously you have Ed, you know, she hands, you know, the little like kind of carps. I don't know what you would describe it, like a little pinwheel yeah. flower thing that, you know, kids have to spike it and makes her drying and then leaves. And the fact that like, as she's just like kind of wandering, like it's just like that's the sign for her when she gives it to Spike. Like you know, this is her. She's visited. You know, you saw like at the orphanage, those kids had the same things, and like she gives it to him. You know, gives to him, and he's gonna she's gonna go off and do God knows what. And like the fact that Ein's like following, and then like confronts her and stops her, and then when she realizes like Ein's not gonna let her leave, and she's like, "Do you want to join me?" The fact that Ein also leaves now that was so sad, and then. Just like at the very end where you're like eating, you know, they're just eating the like the boiled eggs, like either the hard boiled eggs or soft. I don't know. They were just the boil. I'm going to say boiled uh, the eggs. And, you know, they're starting off, you know, eating them kind of casually. And then as it real, you know, as Spike and Jet realize like, oh, Ein and Ed are not coming back. They're just like eating them faster and faster. They process their emotions like without having to talk about it. I was like, oh, man. Like, cause it is sad. Cause you like, obviously Ed and I don't return those last two episodes. Like this is their exit. And considering where Spike was when they all joined in the first place. And he was like, fuck this shit. I hate, I hate kids, dogs. Yeah. and I hate kids, animals and women. And now they're all on my ship. And you just see him like not express that through his words, but just them eating eggs. I couldn't think I would not have been able to think that that would be a particularly emotional scene just from the description but the execution is yeah i was just left like on the verge of tears it was so like poignant and then just you smash cut to just the you know the little line that just says see you cowgirl someday somewhere oh, no, yeah. man. it's devastating she's obviously gonna be safer not being around because she's got to go and confront the syndicate but then mm-hmm. on the other side of it, you're like, where's she going? What's she doing? Like, what what's I'm gonna do too? Like, what's their plan? Like, he's like, oh, there's so many questions. And also, like, to be fair, like, Faye is also in this ambiguous place of like, is Faye coming back or not? Like in this moment. So, but it's just like, you know, Ein and Ed running off in the distance is just like that like wide shot of them, and you see like the desert, and you're just like, oh wow, they are they can go anywhere. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm bu- I'm already, I'm bummed just listening to to, uh, to you guys talk about it. Yeah, let's move on to happier episodes. Uh, happier episodes, like the, the, the finale. Um, I we I do actually want to. There's one comedic moment. Uh, the, well, one or two comedic moments I want to talk about. The fact that um, Apple Dairy. Uh, we we never even mentioned Ed's father's name. Uh, Mr. Apple Dairy. Uh, Sinis Hessop Lufton. Um, which is again just an incredible name. 
Um, Spike's confrontation with Apple Dairy is fantastic because, like, again, Spike, who we we've seen to be a very good fighter, he, he's got nothing on Apple Dairy because you know he's he's an adult version of Ed. Yeah, he operates on cartoon logic. You just can't beat him. Uh, there's also the fact that Apple Dairy's bounty appears to be fifty million, but it turns out uh, it was actually just fifty uh, Wulongs. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was kind of funny. That was a fun joke. Uh, that's the last bit of humor we're going to talk about in this show because. Um, <laughs> Malcolm, was this two-part finale what you expected uh, Bebop to end? No, this this ending is. I mean, it, it's it's weird because there's a lot of things that like obviously were alluded to throughout the the, the run of this series that this kind of addresses. Like, you know, this one obviously has a lot to do with the I believe it's the Red Dragon Syndicate. You also get Vicious. Vicious is back, a character who I could not. I don't really care about, and I don't feel like he's a very good villain. He's just kind of there. Like, like I know people are like always hyping up vicious to be like some sort of big bad, but I just always feel like, I don't know. He disappeared for like the last, like I want to say 10 or 15 episodes. Yeah, <laughs> so he... return. I kind of like that. They are like ending that arc in these two episodes. Also, you have uh, Shin who is Lin's brother. And that was like <laughs> Shin and Lin, really? Like we're too, like we're in this. This is the world we're in. And Shin, uh, Shin gets a an equally terrible fate, although far less screen time. So uh, of the two brothers, I'm going to give uh, the edge to Lin. I was yeah. more, I was more invested in what happened to Lin than Shin. Who um, we're jumping way ahead, but Lin literally appears to save Spike at the end of the very end of the series, and then gets shot 15 seconds later. Yeah, and then obviously we, you know, we get to finally f- know more about Julia. Yeah, uh, this is a brutal, I don't know how else to say it. This is a brutal fucking finale. Uh, we do open with finally seeing Julia in the present, uh, and she's warned about the elders beyond the move. Meanwhile, the syndicate elders, they scold Vicious and put him in cuffs to execute him. But then Vicious says, a serpent's venom poisons slowly after the bite, you know. Uh, fuck vicious. you, vicious. Just fuck the, you. The, the audacity of like the lines he gives out like you're gonna cry blood and then i'm or no you're gonna like you're gonna cry red or something stupid i was just like i was like fuck you you piece of shit <laughs> like i just <laughs> and i know he's a villain but i was just like he's not even like a good villain he's just like a guy who's there it's like he's so inconsequential to like really the events of this story in this whole show. He's in how many episodes total? I think he's in five. I think he's yeah, in five. Yeah, he's in of- five episodes and he you could you could make an argument that you could have cut him out of almost all of those episodes and the show would not have changed much because of it. Obviously, okay. like you would just cut these two episodes entirely, but <laughs> still. It was just like I don't know. He's just I just don't like him. You're he's, not he's a bad guy. He's a bad guy. <laughs> he's he's uh he's Sephiroth from uh, Final Fantasy VII. Uh, but even even lamer because Sephiroth at least has a yeah. lot of screen time. That's it. Yeah, he's a lame duck uh, character. Just kind of fucking just is there. He's just like floating. He's a floater. Meanwhile, Spike and Jet they get drunk after losing Faye and Ed. Um, and then some syndicate thugs ambush him. And Jet even takes a bullet to the leg. And I think this is where you know, oh shit, things are getting real. Because I don't think we've really... I mean, I guess we've seen Spike injured before, but we always know he's going to come back from it. When you see Jet take that uh, leg injury, you're actually like, oh shit, this is kind of... This is the end. We're in the end game. Well, you kind of see Spike's reaction to that. And the fact the fact that his past is starting to injure 
the people who are important to him in his present, you can kind of see that he's like, all right, things are winding down. I really need to take care of this or else more of the people I care about are going to leave. Oh, for sure. It's, I think this is why it's like, okay, yeah, like this getting shot in the leg is sort of Jet's kind of clue to be like, all right, I got to leave this life. Mm -hmm. Because especially that he gets shot at the loser bar, which I thought was kind of funny. <laughs> but that's that. where they're like drinking <laughs> they're just like this is where the losers are mm -hmm. i mean no one that like in real life oh man you know what that would actually be cool if someone actually had made a loser bar like that seems like something netflix would do is they like a pop-up loser bar to promote the live action show it's just hope so it's a ridiculous name for a bar yeah and just hire the three old guys to just hang out in the loser bar Oh, yeah. Like have those actors come in and just they're just sitting there the whole time and yeah, you can't interact with them and they're just <laughs> making fun of you. Yeah, <laughs> they're basically the um, Dattler and Waldorf from the, the Muppets. We also get a flashback to Spike asking uh, Julia to leave with him. Oh, and right before that, we got uh, Shin coming to the rescue and then, you know, oh, Shin and Lin, Shin, Shin, Shin and Lin. Not much to say. <laughs> Uh, yeah. so yeah. imagine like having kids and you're like this one's Shin and this one's Lin and our third one's and they, Shin and you know and they look the exact same these are same. all our kin guys uh, I fucking nailed it <laughs> knocked it out of the pack yeah uh, oh, I just opened a can of uh, killing it uh, waka um <laughs> Okay, moving uh, on. <laughs> do, do, do we got anything to talk about the whole uh, flashback to Spike uh, asking Julia to leave with him, or is that all that's incidental to that? I mean, it's all yeah, kind I'm... of incidental. I mean, yeah. we, we did we kind of skipped over the fact that like Faye, we see her in the. Uh, I want to talk about the air, the airport is what I want to talk about because this is a scene I have thought about since before we started this miniseries. It's one of my favorite scenes in the entire show. Because we finally get to meet Alfredo properly, guys. Uh, right, we, yeah. This is one of my favorites. And I didn't realize how short it was, but it's still a scene I think about so fucking much. Um, yeah. Uh, so Faye's in the airport, and then we just see this like old, old... Uh, I don't know. Is is Alfredo black or is he Hispanic? Um, I assume he's black. I've, 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 I've coded him as black. Um a black actor so he's in, the, old... in the live action show. So I I think... I'm going to make the assumption. Yeah. Um, no, we see this old like black woman um, and she's just kind of, you know, talking to herself. She's in the airport alone. And then Alfredo comes up to her, her son, who is the host of big shots, the, the newly canceled big shots. Um, yeah. Just, I, I didn't even write his dialogue down, but this scene just gets me. And also, well, you what... know, yeah, I mean, obviously part of it's like, oh, I'm going to take care of you and like, you know, to the mother and stuff. And uh, I do like that he drops that um, Judy, the co-host, uh, ended up marrying the agent because in Brain Scratch, uh, when the show gets canceled, like her last line is just like, oh, I'm going to fucking call my agent. Like, you know, you can't do this. And it just like cuts away. And I, yeah. I do like that little thing where it's like, and then she's fine. She just married that agent. <laughs> and yeah. we have like a new show. I don't know, man. Again, I, I like the fact that the show pulls back the curtain and just, you know, lets us see, see uh, one of the uh, hosts of that show just as a real person. And, you know, he seems like a good guy. He's taking care of his mother. Uh, hopefully his acting career will, will turn out okay or he finds something else. Uh, I'm rooting for Alfredo. I just hope he drops the accent. 
Oh, you mean like in his in his acting stuff? Well, I mean, it was playing a character. I mean, it's 2071. I think we're past <laughs> the fact where Apu oh. can't be played by a white guy. And uh, come on, man. <laughs> oh yeah, well we'll 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 see how um how Netflix adapts Alfredo Alfredo's uh, acting character acting role. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I just um, again, I'm just making the assumption based on who they cast uh, in the show uh, that it's just he's just a black guy who's named Alfredo. Yeah, or who's well, that? he play, who plays Punch, who, Alfredo, who plays the role of Punch on Big Shots. Yeah, it, you know, it's uh, a it's a layer, it's a layered character in a layered show. But that to mm-hmm. me is just like again, just uh, just a nice moment where yeah, you get you get to see the Big Shots. Uh, the big shots cast member as a person. And yeah, it sticks with me, even though it is just such a, such a small moment. Yeah. So yeah, spike, spike contacts Faye. And then she sees Julia in a car chase with syndicate thugs. And, uh, she just kind of hops into Julia's car. And yeah, Julia, can we just say there's like that heartbreaking moment, uh, in regards to, uh, when she's talking like of to spike and, you know, I need you, I need you. And she's like, you know, it's like she just goes like, you know, what about like Ann and, you know, uh, and Ed? Like, can't they just be there for you? And like, he obviously doesn't have time to tell her that they're gone. She just like hangs up. I was just like, mm. oh, she doesn't know. She doesn't know. She doesn't know. Yeah. She doesn't know. Yeah. So we get a syndicate shootout with us, uh, Faye and Julia. Julia tells uh, Faye she's looking for a bounty hunter. And uh, Faye, she she tells her name to Julia and says, Faye Valentine, it's a very common name. And then Julia responds, Julia, it's also a very common name. So that's a fun little interaction. I don't know. They're just very plain, very common. Uh, and then we, get yeah. a, then we get a bunch of monologuing from Jet that I could not write all of it down, although I wrote down the key line, which is men, men only think about their past before they die. Uh, maybe not super accurate, but you know, it's a nice, nice, uh, line at least. I'm always thinking about the future. I'm, I'm always thinking about the past. I'm, uh, I'm always thinking about the past. I'm just like, Oh, what happened? What happened a minute ago? I'm just trying to make sure I remember everything. Well, to, uh, quote the drag, <laughs> the drag superstar Katya, if you've got one, one foot in the past, one foot in the future, you're pissing on the present. Shit. Oh, God. um, <laughs> Yeah, we get a syndicate attack on the Bebop. Um, again, it's showing the stakes. All of a sudden, things actually matter uh, because there's only like 40 minutes left. Less than that, like 25 yeah. at this point. Yeah, at 25 at this point. Um, and then, yeah, Faye, Faye says the J word, which causes Spike to bolt. Um, Julia. Oh, Julia. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. J word. J word. Get it? J word, because that's a word that like to, is very important to, to Spike. She, she said the J word there. The the bad joke, bad joke. Spike says Julia. Or no, Faye. She she mentions the name Julia, which causes Spike to bolt, and that's when like Spike kind of the syndicate syndicate uh, thugs attacking the ship. Uh, we cut to to the whole vicious and like uh, vicious in chains, or he's in like a it's like almost a stockade type thing. Very, very old timey. It's 2070, guys, for fuck's sake. Put some laser chains on him or some shit. And we get the reveal that Vicious's crow was like a robot or some shit because when it blows up, it reveals like a smoke bomb. So, yeah, so he didn't even have a real crow. He's, he's a total, he's a total uh, fake, fake, fake fan of crows. I'm going to give Watanabe, I'm gonna give Watanabe the, uh, the benefit of the doubt on all of this and say that as a character, he is just kind of a facade. 
which is true of like what he represents in the scheme of things, because really he only represents Spike's foil. And you've reiterated so many times, you and I are one, like we can't live or die without the other one. Not unlike Harry Potter and Lord Voldemort. Voldemort has a bit more character to him. Yeah. I, I, I didn't get through the, the movies. I've only seen the first four. Did you even read the books? I read some of the books because, of course, you kind of had to, but then it's not like anything registers with me. And then, of course, J.K. Rowling revealed uh, who she was, so I'm like, sweet, I have no... Uh... Turns out she was the villain all along. <laughs> Turns out she was Voldemort all along. Uh, so yeah, Fish is, escapes, he kills the elders. Um, Spike in the graveyard, uh, where he picks up the rose, and you're just like, oh shit, oh shit, it's the rose from the beginning, guys! And the endings! Yeah. I'll, I'll just say that him reuniting with uh, Julia in that last 30 seconds of this episode. God, it's just, it was just so palpable because here's hmm. a person who is referenced consistently throughout the series, not in great detail, but you kind of, everything is implied between who they were and like what they represented to each other and their relationship. And it's just a silent exchange of them looking at each other. God, this time around watching that, it was just so so powerful seeing seeing them together, and then like obviously the insult to injury of Julia raising a gun to him was uh, pretty uh, pretty heartbreaking. Yeah, which is quite the which is quite the cliffhanger. If we had to watch this week to week, you'd be like, "Oh shit, that's a that's a visual to end the episode on." But don't worry, we watched it almost immediately. <laughs> we watched it immediately. Um, that's the thing. Now I'm watching the show on Netflix, and I just hate how Netflix uh, rushes, you know, because, of course, Netflix wants you to get to the next episode right away. So I barely get to hear uh, the real folk blues, which is a bummer, because uh, I very much like that ending song. Yeah, so part two, uh, the confrontation with Julia and Spike continues immediately. We don't even get the intro, which sucks, because I skipped the intro on part one. I was like, oh, I'll see it again. And then I'm like, oh, no, now I've ruined it all. Um, but yeah, Julia and Spike confront. Uh, I do think that intro would have been not that oh, great when in front oh, of no. it's a very intense scene. Uh, yeah, for sure. Just like that, that music, like that signature cowboy bebop music, just is so diametrically opposite of what this scene is. And it also gives it even more of a feel that this is the end. So I don't, I don't mind it. It was more just me. I was like, why I shouldn't have skipped the intro the last time mm-hmm. to hear it one last time. Exactly. Well, thanks to the power of streaming and YouTube, I can watch it again and again. Um, so Julia and Spike, they have their confrontation. Uh, she says it was raining that day as well. He responds, so you didn't come because of the rain. You know, classic little, you know, noir dialogue. This is, Also, here's the thing. Annie, the convenience store lady, got shot. That made me sad. I do like that, like, she drops the gun and they, like, embrace. Sorry, I want to go back to, like, the Spike and Julia scene at the very stop. Uh, just because you had that where you're like realized like, oh, they're actually like really in love with each other like that. There's a reason why she was running instead of just killing him, because it's like, what kind of life could she live if she killed him? Like, what's the point of her being alive if that's the case? But it's also kind of sad that this whole time they probably could have been running away together. But instead, they were kind of separately fighting. You know, Spike started this like doing bounties on the side, you know, just kind of existing. And then Julia is off doing whatever the hell she was doing, which was very unclear. Also, uh, yeah, then afterwards, we, we cut to the Red Dragon Syndicate, where, yeah, because Shin was there. 
And she like Shin like that's like the one scene Shin has right where he like confronts Vicious because there's like the yeah because there's that old man who gets killed or the old men you know those three old guys that look like yeah they look like um, characters from a Doctor Seuss book but I, was I the only one who like saw that I was like they look like uh, like if the Grinch wasn't like a green like person <laughs> I thought they looked like the old children from akira like yeah, I, the... I was getting akira oh, vibes okay yeah. yeah that's a good yeah that's how that's where my mind is as the guy doesn't watch anime who like uh, you know is only doing and watching this for because of the podcast i'm i'm forgetting i'm it's a very <laughs> i'm noticing a lot of anime is just a very like i i consume it go through the episode and then it's out fair enough in and out but i think the show's gonna be different Poor Annie, man. That made me. That got me bummed. Yeah, and then Spike and Julia try to make their daring escape. Yeah, and uh, that doesn't go well either because yeah, Julia dies before even the first half of the episode ends. I don't got much more to say about that other than fucking bummer, guys. That's a real fucking bummer. Yeah, Anne's like final words are really sad. Or Annie's, I was just like, oh man, but they don't have time to really grieve. We don't even get to hear Julia's final words. Well, we don't get to because there's like the whole fight, the fight sequence. So, which I guess we're just jumping around. Like we're not even like we're not even trying right now. We're. Uh, I, I feel like we're we're still talking about episode two or episode twenty six. We're still yeah, in there. Yeah, that's what I meant. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, because I want to say like with Julia's death, like because she gets shot on the rooftop. Was it? I feel like it was a very nineties thing. Like when you watch like nineties movies in particular, that like when a major character gets shot, there was always like you get shot and then birds like in the background just like start fluttering around. Like yep. you're just like, where did all these birds come from? Like I feel mm-hmm. like every like Shane Black movie did this. Like every like you know just all these crime movies. Like everyone, it's like someone gets shot and it's just like ah, oh, the doves are released. It's very John Woo. I mean, you know, John Woo is obviously a big influence on uh, the series. Yeah, I guess that's a signature John Woo. And he, yeah. Which I forgot. I was trying to rename the director that I was like pretty clear. Yeah, it's not Shane Black, it's John Woo. Got to give John Woo credit. I mean, he directed one of my favorite movies of all time, Face Off. Oh, I thought you were going to say Hard Boiled. I mean, that's good too, but Face <laughs> Off, it's Face Off. I could do a whole. <laughs> A spinoff, just uh, me talking about Face Off for talking, talking Face Off. Every episode, you talk about one minute of Face Off. <laughs> I, honestly, you could like dissect it down to that. Um, yeah, we get Jet consulting the Native Elder. Uh, that was fun. Although, and then the Elder calls Jet Running Rock, and Jet uh, gets a bit offended. So I'm, I assume it had nothing to do with being Native, and more probably a reference to like Running Rock is like he's like a slow cumbersome per cumbersome person who's like obviously injured and like trying to run and like you know rocks aren't necessarily things that you think about when you're like yeah you know that's a fast thing like i don't look at Dwayne the rock johnson and go this is a guy i'm gonna bet on to win the 100 meter dash i'm like i'm like a Dwayne the rock johnson if it was like who's gonna sink to a pool the fastest maybe i'll put some money on him to get to the bottom fastest uh he's also the um the chef on the bebop so all the characters smell what the rock's cooking <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> yeah it's true yeah yeah so we get spike returning to the ship one last time it's it's shrooms guys it's shrooms i wasn't sure what he was cooking to be completely honest i mean it would make sense like that's a kind of a good like callback 
to that that shrooms episode but uh outside of that i i'm not fully confident i don't want to say with confidence gotcha um, yeah, let's talk about Jed and Spike's, uh, final conversation, which is just a fucking bummer because you, at this point, you know, what's going to happen. You know, this is the end. This is Spike's last time on the bebop. You know, they share one last laugh. Revisiting this whole section, just very sad for me because yeah. in my mind, Cowboy Bebop, just based on the episodic nature of it, exists as like isolated incidents that kind of live forever. And the fact that, yeah, these two episodes put a such a finality to it yeah it, it is tough for me because i i like the the idea that like the the bebop itself these stories are just kind of floating through space but it really grounds it in a very human story of like no all things end all people die and this is them kind of having their like living wake of like well i guess this is goodbye for for us fuck uh and the the conversation with Spay and Sp- <laughs> with uh Faye and Spike is fuck man that's even worse bro because Faye you know she tells Spike the bebop was the only place she could go back to and now Spike is leaving and just ruining it even more like god damn man god damn it Spike yeah i mean just but i mean there's that thing with Faye where you know she in the previous episode um you know in hard luck uh women she was um you know, she was like talking about like, you know, t- especially to add, it's like, you know, there's a place yeah. you need to be and like there's a place I need to be. And obviously that place for her was, you know, is been lost to the, you know, to the accident that occurred. Um, and then obviously, you know, her being cryogenically frozen and coming back and all that, you know, and the debt and all that. But I mean, it's well, yeah, it's, yeah, it is sad because I mean, you know, because Spike's response to her at the very end, like the her, you know, his parting words to Faye are just. I'm not going there to die. I'm going to find out if I'm really alive. I have to do it, Faye. Mm. Which is very similar to like, I feel like it parallels what, you know, Faye was telling him like throughout the series about like needing to find him herself. Now he's got to find himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it comes at Faye's worst moment, like Faye, where Faye actually needs, you know, the Bebop crew for the first time and is now admitting it to herself that this is what she needs and they're splitting up. Really reminds me, actually, weird parallel, but uh, at the end of uh, Darren Aronofsky's The Wrestler, when he finally like comes to terms with what he needs to do to complete his his story, just as the the waitress or the stripper that he's dating comes to see him and is like, "I'm ready to make this happen." He's like, "No, I, I got to do this for myself," and just like departs. Again, Aronofsky potentially ripping off anime. Yeah, I don't know. He, uh, let's, uh, I, you know what? Knowing Aronofsky, <laughs> uh, probably did. He probably totally was like, "Oh, the themes of this will work in my wrestling story." Uh-huh. Yeah, he's uh, been pretty explicit. He he he's a weeb who just can't say it because uh, he needs to find more movie ideas. Um, I never saw The Fountain, so I don't know if that ripped off anything. I know, I, you know. I assume it did. Um, obviously, obviously, uh, his film Noah um, famously ripped off the Bible. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. he, he ripped off the most famous book of all time. So, the book know. was better. I go to I, every Sunday, me and a group, we go together, we talk about it because it's such a good book. It's my book club. Hey, man. You know, the Bible's got some cool stories, bro. I'm not going to dispute that. There's a lot of stories. Let's move in there. on from this Bible uh, talk. <laughs> I gotta say, I gotta. Uh, the Bible. 
Yeah, the okay. Bible, pr- yeah, Bible yeah, yeah. pretty pretty good book, guys. Pretty good book. Pretty good um, book. So God Spike, he, go- he goes to finish one last job, and then we get the real folk blues playing. Uh, Malcolm, knowing you, you've probably been skipping the ending themes because you suck all the time. So I'm going to read I did you. Watch the- this. I did watch this all the way to the end. Because, because here, great news. Uh, Netflix was like, no, like not like move on to the next show. It was like you need to watch this. So I'll I'll listen to it at like probably the first like couple twenty thirty seconds, but then I will turn it off because I'm I'm like I don't need to listen to this song again. I'm not I'm not gonna give you my um my uh, epic uh, One Piece uh, film Z reading, but I'm gonna read the lyrics to this song because hey the 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 lyrics um kind of tell you the whole entire themes of the show. Too much time has passed by to lament that we were deeply in love. The wind keeps blowing while my heart cannot heal all the tears in it. Watching tomorrow with one eye while keeping the other on yesterday. If only I could peacefully sleep in the cradle of your love again. Someone cry for me with parched eyes. The real folk blues. I only want to know what true sadness is. Sitting in muddy water isn't such a bad life if it ends after the first time. Despair filled with hope. And this chance with a trap set, what's right or wrong, it's like two sides of a coin. How long must I live till I'm healed? The real folk blues, I only want to know what true happiness is, all that glitters is not gold. The real folk blues, I only want to know what true sadness is, sitting in muddy water isn't such a bad life, if it ends after the first time. Fuck! And it's been there the whole time. It's been there the whole time. The ending, the ending to this series has been there right in front of you the entire time. Yeah, and Spike is running up those stairs towards Vicious. Running yeah. up those stairs. The confrontation is pretty quick. Uh, although, you know, of course, you know, uh, Shin shows up and rescues Spike, and then he dies 15 seconds later. So <laughs> That was kind of funny. That was like, as we alluded to earlier, it was just like, this character is a brother of a character we met before in those uh, great grand episodes. And then, yeah, he just dies. He's just like, ah, you know what? You came in too late. You're dead. You're just like, yeah. bang, bang, and he's and- gone. And during this whole uh, action scene uh, where Spike's fucking up the uh, the syndicate, Jet's like cleaning aggressively and Faye is just crying. Uh, I mean, what, seeing Faye cry is fucking brutal, too, because she is someone who puts on such a front and to just see her, you know, completely let go. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's sad. Yeah, I don't like it when Faye cries. No, no one does. No. But yeah, we get the right. confrontation with uh, Vicious and Spike. It's fucking quick. I again rewatching this episode. It's it's, it's not even like a, a a protracted action scene. Uh, you know, Malcolm and I have watched our share of action anime where the action scenes can be a uh, very very long, over the top mm-hmm. long. But nope, this is quick yeah, and dirty. Here's my argument: Vicious doesn't <laughs> deserve to be in a long action scene. He's uh, not <laughs> not worth it. Uh, he doesn't deserve that kind of screen time. Yeah. Uh, but also like you know again if they're sort of you know of equal you know stature i mean it's it's a gun versus a, a sword and you know what they say if you're gonna bring a gun to a knife fight the gun's gonna win <laughs> something like uh, that yeah it's something something one of those you know that old age, age old saying i fucked it up but you know you guys know yeah what I mean. bring a gun to a knife fight but yeah i think that the the fact that it is so short is testament to the fact that the confrontation itself wasn't the sort of climactic deciding incident. It was Spike's decision to actually engage at all because he had spent so much of his life just like not engaging with Vicious and trying to get away from 
that part of his past. Pretty much he knew as soon as he decided to go confront him, he's like, I'm going to die. And it really felt like, yeah, as much as there was action in that scene, there was something lacking in terms of finality because the finality that we were looking for had already happened. And you could kind of get that just even by like, Spike's final word. Bang. <laughs> Bang. You know, and then we uh, you know, revealed uh, in that flashback uh, what Julia's final words were, which was, uh, it was a dream. And Spike was just responded, yeah, just a bad dream. Yeah, I kind of wish that he had responded, I used to read Word Up magazine, and then he just launches into <laughs> Juicy by Notorious B.I.G., but uh, <laughs> it would have diminished the sentiment. And then, you know, we see there, Spike's just lying there, and then with just that... As the credits roll, the you know we're zooming up, going from like, I guess they're are they on Earth? What what planet are they on? Mars. Okay, I thought yeah. it was Mars. Yeah. Okay, so they're on Mars, and it like goes up further and further into space, and then you know at the very end, it just like cuts to black, uh, and it's just like you're going to carry that weight, and then boom, Oof. that's the end of the show. <laughs> yep, going to carry that weight. Malcolm, was this a satisfying ending uh, to Bebop? I think it was. Yeah, I think this was a really good ending, especially for like something that was made in the 90s. Like, I, you know, this would have been like unprecedented. I feel like maybe if you were to like have done this ending the first time now, there'd be some people going like, ah, like it's always hard. Endings are always difficult. I feel like so many shows, you kind of look at their endings, and you go like, oh, could have it been better? You know, I think there's a lot of people continue to debate the lost ending. Uh, you know, you got people who like not the biggest fan of the Sopranos ending, you know, but then there's other shows like Breaking Bad where and even like Mad Men who like which really just like have a great endings. And I feel like there's like a really strong ending. It's not the ending I was expecting, but I, to be honest, I wasn't I didn't come into watching the, the show with any expectations. All I really knew is that I knew a lot of people who all were like this show was great. You know, this, you're going to have a really good time watching it. And I agree with those people. Like, this was probably, like, the best show we've done on, like, this whole podcast in my mind. Like, this one was just, like, it's, you know, if we're doing the, the you know, the YouTube uh, tier system, you know, this is S-tier content. So, um, yeah, I, I, I liked it a lot. I think now I think now is a good time to talk about like Cowboy Bebop as a whole and maybe let's instead of uh and let's talk about like our favorite episodes like of the whole series because we've all seen the whole show obviously Sasha uh you weren't you know weren't in every episode we did covering the show but you've seen all the show so I think let's start uh who wants to start with their top 5 I've, I've got mine. I'm pretty comfortable with mine. Um, and really, the number one is the only one that's in order, if you know what I mean. The the rest mm. you can kind of shift around. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to go with Honky Tonk... Or no, not Honky Tonk Woman. I'm looking at the episode names as well. Uh, episode two, Stray Dog Strut. Uh, this is my number five. Um, I feel like this is almost a better introduction to the show than episode one. In just my opinion, I think it's a much stronger episode, which is why when I... T- Tell people, you know, what, make sure you at least watch the second episode before you drop it if you don't like it. Because, um, yeah, this is our introduction to Ayn. It, you know, it features Abdul Kareem. It's just, you know, it's got a spring in its step. Yeah, I just find this to be a really fun episode of, you know, uh, Spike, Spike chasing down a dog who is uh, the incredible Ayn. 
Uh, and then my next episode, of course, um, that way, you know, I've got the alien episode. I've got the alien episode in there, which is toys in the attic. Toys in the attic is fucking awesome. Again, this isn't when I think of bebop toys in the attic is one of them. It's cause I'm like, yeah, this is the alien parody. I've also got, uh, mushroom Samba in there. Cause again, the, the drug trip episode, and it's also an Ed focused episode, which I really love. I gotta go with Ballad of Fallen Angels. That again, it's such an iconic episode. I know Vicious kind of sucks, but I just love the confrontation, that first confrontation with him and Spike. Um, the whole flashback uh, when that song plays, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, fucking love it. And my number one, my number one is my funny, is not my funny Valentine. I got that wrong. It is Speak Like a Child. Yeah. The, the ending to Speak Like a Child, man, it just hits me like a ton of fucking bricks. Yeah, the ending with Faye and everything, like, yeah, Faye, yeah. Faye seeing her younger self, uh, you know, tell her that, fuck, man, it just gets me. It just gets me, you know? Yeah, and I feel like, I feel like the Faye episodes in general are just so good at articulating what this show is about. So, it's interesting that I had prepared a list of my favorite episodes, which I thought was pretty well set in stone uh, going into this recording, but... Having rewatched the final five episodes, there was a bit of a shift because uh, I was hit so hard by one episode in particular. So just like going down the list, I have one sort of favorite episode, but uh, I'll do the others in like no particular order. I actually really enjoy the Vicious episodes. I don't like Vicious so much as a character, so much as what he he represents um, for Spike. And for that, like, I really like how Spike reacts to his presence or is motivated by him in his episode. So two of the episodes I have on here are Ballad of Fallen Angels and Jupiter Jazz for that reason. Like the moment in Jupiter Jazz where the thugs mention Vicious and you just see Spike lose it, a guy who has such composure throughout the entire series, and he kicks the shit out of these guys with less provocation than than he probably needed to have to to do that. I don't know. I, I just think that it's really cool to see these moments of extreme tension within Spike, just at uh, the mention of this guy. Contrary to you, Jack, I actually really like Asteroid Blues. I I think that it's an iconic opening to the series. Yeah, them playing with the elements that would become prevalent throughout the rest of the, um, the show, uh, I think it sets everything up very well. And it kind of gives you a sense of like the episodic nature of everything, that you're kind of being dropped into vignettes and stories of these kind of funny tragic people the one that got moved up into the top five which i would not have put there before watching these episodes is actually hard luck woman because everything to do with those last five minutes and all of the characters leaving and the reaction and the change you see in spike and jet it is just so beautiful and heartbreaking and it having grown up and having experienced loss in different ways and whether it be like the loss of like someone's death or just the loss of a friend or just losing someone who you no longer get to see in your life or just like the transience of relationships it it hit me hard as a person in their late 20s and i think that's the brilliance of the show is that depending on what period of your life you're in, when you watch these episodes, they're going to represent different things to you because I was in more of an Ed mindset when I was 18, but as a 29-year-old watching Hard Luck Woman, I was like, oof, yeah, 
it it sucks when you realize that someone's gone. And I think just for the the fact that it is so dissonant and so beautiful and so funny, my number one is probably going to be Mushroom Samba. I think that is just... Really? A, yeah, I think it's just such a funny callback to exploitation films. And I love a, a good drugging episode where everyone just goes on a trip where they don't quite know what's what's happening. And just the image of Spike climbing that staircase, that infinite staircase where really he's just stepping in place and not moving has stayed with me over the years for some reason. And I just think that it's hilarious. And really, I think all my favorite episodes are Ed Focus. So yeah, uh, those are my top five. That was great. It's weird. There's like almost this bias I have as I was like looking over the episodes. They're like, you know, yeah, I can make an argument for three of these last five episodes for like being in my top five, but I'm going to like resist. I'm only going to put up, um, I might put two in. I think uh, my top episode, my favorite one, I I said it earlier in this episode, it really is brain scratch. Like that for me is, I don't know. I've, I've always had this like weird, you know, fascination with like cults like Heaven's Gate and like Jonestown and the rest of it. And for whatever reason, there's that soft spot. And the fact that this is so clearly inspired by Heaven's Gate and then also just the episode's ending of just like the the boy in the coma kind of being detached from like, you know, the VR space that he's in and he's kind of has to like just be this like unconscious person after his accident is like a really sad ending. You know, it just kind of has this beautiful like element, especially speaks so true to like a lot of like what we're dealing with you know, in real life right now with like the prevalence of VR and social media and the rest of it as we enter as a society into our next step, which is the metaverse. Thank you, Mark Zuckerberg. Um, uh, yeah, uh, not really. But and then I think kind of like you guys, I the, the next episodes, I, I don't really have an order for them. Like episodes like two to five for me. Um, I really loved uh, Toys in the Attic. Uh, which was, you know, very fun. Just like this sort of, uh, what's the phrase? What's the phrase where it's like uh, episodes set in one place? Um, bottle episodes? Yeah. This is like the closest we're going to get to a bottle episode in Cowboy Bebop. And I feel like Toys in the Attic was just really fun. It's so weird. It's hilarious. They're like eating this thing and they're all passing out. And they're like, uh, I don't know. I just had a lot of uh, fun with it. Uh, I also really enjoyed a Waltz for Venus because it actually has one of my favorite like one-off characters, Rocco, just like him and like his relationship with his sister and like his death and just like, you know, the fact that he was trying to like get a, uh, have a better life for him and his sister and he ends up, you know, paying the ultimate price for it. It's just like a really, you know, kind of sad episode. And he was just a character that like stood out to me and like something I'll like remember. Like Sasha, you were saying, I also really loved Mushroom Samba. Really great, like, you know, homage to like black exploitation movies and like, I don't know, just so much fun. And like Ed and Ayn having their own adventure and like, you know, the rest of the crew just tripping out on mushrooms and like Domino Walker and like the train sequence and Ayn talking to the cow. It's just, yeah, super fun. I also, like Jack also said, speak like a child, that ending. Man, it's a sad ending. Like, it's, you know, it's so sad. Just really hits their home. Uh, I do love that, you know, beta wins at the VHS beta wars that in this world people are, you know, obsessed with beta cassettes. 
I don't know why it just kind of made me laugh. And then uh, I think I've got uh, one or one more. Uh, and I'm surprised we haven't talked about this. Uh, uh, Piero Lafoe. That's, I mean, it might not be like the best episode in terms of just like how it's, uh, you know, how the crew reacts to it. But I mean, he is probably the most iconic villain of the show. Like just like this outrageous sort of like kind of remind, like dressed like he's like, you know, a pilgrim from the Salem witch trials and like, you know, he's, he's a serial killer and he also has this really sad backstory and like of just kind of being experimented on and, you know, taking, taken to the extreme. And that's why he's this vicious serial killer. He's just like, I don't know that. I just love the sequence of like in the like amusement park and like just the fighting there and like, you know, the roller coasters and him getting trampled to death by, you know, just the random robotic like parade of like animals. That was very fun. And then I guess an honorable mention, I will give an honorable mention to Cowboy Funk. I mean, that was just, we've talked a lot about it. This Amazing. Episode. It was a, it's a good, it's, it's pretty great. So I, I, yeah, it's, this was hard. It was hard to pick episodes. Cause like, we also like, no one talked about like Jupiter jazz. Like that was another one that I was just like, Oh man, like that's a great two parter. Yeah. So that's kind of my, that's my top five. Can I just say that it's really a, a testament to the show's um, like a credit that the fact that there is like not a lot of overlap between all of our choices. Like there were yeah. times where we were, well, like we were saying what we we had picked there, and I was like, "Oh, that's interesting that you liked that one because I have such strong attachments to particular episodes." But it seems like everyone has an in at different points in the uh, in the series, and it hits people in different ways. And there's not like a clear like, "Okay, well, the series sucks, but this episode is great." You can find like little gems everywhere across the uh, the entire twenty six. Yeah, you can. Yeah. You can make an argument that there might be like one episode in which you go like, yeah, that was a real drag and that's it. Like, I guess like, you know, eulogy is probably, you know, the one episode in my mind where it's just like, yeah, it's not the best. It's It's one of those slow jet stories. But even then it has purpose and it's like not a bad episode. It's just like there's so many highs in the show so varied with like the types of episodes it produced that you're just like, you know, it doesn't hold the same uh, gravitas as other episodes. I mean, there, you know, there's S tier, there's A tier, and then there's a uh, jet tier, as I say. It's <laughs> <laughs> exactly. all right. All right. Jet episode. Sweet. I'm going to go on my phone guys. Um, I'm joking. I'm joking. Uh, I love Jet. Jet's a great character. Um, so let's talk about the speed wagons for this batch that we just watched. Um, Do the music. Allow me to elucidate ya. The name is Robert E.O. Speedwagon. So for those just joining, uh, this, I don't know why you would join in, but you know, maybe it's the, the ending and you just want to skip to the end and see what we thought of the show. Well, I don't know. You, you do you. But if you are just joining, our Speedwagon is our favorite uh, supporting character of the episode. It's basically anyone who isn't uh, Spike or uh, the Bebop crew. And my Speedwagon, um, I'm going to give an honorary Speedwagon, an honorary Speedwagon to, to Jet's hippie persona, uh, because that was fucking awesome. It was a close one, but I got to go with my heart for my number one Speedwagon, and that's Alfredo. That's Alfredo, Aww. guys. It's, I fucking love Alfredo. 
IRL uh, Alfredo in the in the uh, in the airport. Yep, I love him. It's mm. a, it's a small moment, uh, but it hits hard. I feel. Well, my speed wagon for this batch. Um, really, I think it's the uh, the 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 fourth character in uh, Cowboy Funk, which is cultural appropriation. I think it played a, a great role. Really tied the whole episode together. No, um, my actual speed wagon for uh, this this batch would be uh, Teddy Bomber. I just found found that he was like a really interesting villain, and like I love kind of sad sacks like him who just wants to like tell people what he's all about and everyone's like that's not important to us and he's just so pissed off and like by the end he's not even really that motivated to uh his manifesto with his bombings he's like fuck these guys i'm just gonna blow them up in the building like i'm gonna go against what i said and um they're going to be the victims uh, to my bombing um but also he had a purpose that was very um uh relevant to today's uh discourse and how Society is reacting to consumerism and capitalism. Couldn't say it better myself. Uh, yeah, for me, I I think I'm going to go. I mean, I'm torn. Like, there's uh, I've, I've, it's kind of 50 50 split. One is uh, Shin because he's just a bullet sponge. He's like, he's there. He shows up. You think he's going to do something and he just gets like killed immediately. Uh, but I think my actual true speed wagon is in the brain scratch episode. Uh, it's the security guard at the hospital who just like starts off super skeptical. And then like, by the end, he's like sobbing uh, due to like the sob story that Jet uh, has made up with Ed. I don't know why. It just kind of was funny that he would just like be like, oh, that's such a beautiful story, even though it's so clear that Jet's just like fumbling his way through and like has to like try to keep like Ed in control, that whole thing. Like the fact that security guard doesn't see through it is just, I don't know kind of that scene stood out and i was like all right i found a speed wagon that's real perfect um yeah i guess those are our speed wagons i guess it's just final thoughts guys i mean final thoughts on bebop the series uh what else can i say about this show we've talked about it for five weeks we've got two more weeks to talk about it as well just because we love you dear listener so much um no i like this show it's good um i like the movie also i can't wait to talk about the movie um so uh, if you're looking for a profound response from me, I'm sorry, guys. Um, you're going to carry that weight. I mean, yeah. for me, uh, I <laughs> sort of alluded to it in this recording, but uh, I, I came into uh, these episodes with you guys kind of with my own opinion of the show. And a lot of that was based on the first time I watched it when mm-hmm. I was 18. And as a 29-year-old going back and watching it, I think that this show has some really profound longevity and it really has an effect on you that is relevant to the age that you watch it and the experiences that you've had in your life. And I don't think that you can say that for every piece of media that it has that malleability and can change so much. So having watched this with an 11 year difference between me like first watching it to now, I got more out of it the second time than I was expecting to, and I love the show for that. So, yeah, those are my final thoughts on Cowboy Bebop. I think I my these are going to be my final thoughts, I guess, on the the animated show because obviously we're talking about a movie next and then a live action show. Uh, I think I'm, it's. I mean, I feel like I was going to inevitably watch this. Like, this is a show that, like I've said before, people have talked about in front of me for years. 
like you know years and years and years and i just like never got around to it like it just for me like as person who just like i'm never seeking out anime like the anime that i'm watching is because of this podcast uh i'm really happy that we covered this and that we made the decision to actually watch the whole show instead of just kind of doing like three episodes and then moving on uh, i feel like if there's any success of this podcast it's the fact that i actually got to watch this show and then talk about it uh, you know with uh different guests and friends and uh you know appreciate that because like there's so much to talk about there's so much to discuss this is a really great show so ahead of its time uh that I, I'm just happy that I got a chance to see it. And yeah, this was well worth watching. And I will say with confidence, the best thing we've ever covered on this show by far. Woo! Like I think yeah. outside of like me making jokes about, uh, you know, other shows like this, yeah, was start to finish great. And it's kind of funny because I think a show that early on when we were making, you know, doing the podcast uh, where I was like, you know, I was kind of skeptical of, but I kept thinking about it because I enjoyed it so much. Like Carolyn Tuesday, the fact that it's the same creator and like I got to see like his seminal work, which is this show. Um, yeah, it, it's pretty great. So, yeah, I think this is one of the few shows I feel like we'll cover that won't be disposable in my mind. It'll just be like, OK, it's going to sit there and like it's going to it's great. And I loved it. So, yeah, you'll end up carrying that weight. I can only shit on Vicious because he's fucking terrible yeah i mean i I guess going back it's been interesting for me just re-watching the show i've been probably the most critical of the show i feel i'm the one who's like oh yeah i don't think i like that episode that much but it's just about me being honest with my reactions um and also you know a bad bebop episode or a quote-unquote bad bebop episode is not is not bad in comparison to other television it's more just like okay well i'm looking forward to, to other things in this series so i'm like okay yeah, there's a Jet episode, but guess what? There's a Faye episode that just, like, is, is an episode I've thought about since I have watched the show the first time. And, um, you know, that that's the level we're talking about. <laughs> the There are certain episodes that are not as good as episodes that have literally stuck with me since I've watched the show 10 years ago or whatever. Anyways, uh, I think uh, we can uh, move on to uh, plugs. Uh, Sasha, where can people find you? Well, Malcolm, they can find me on Twitter at husbandito on instagram at sasha husband all one word s-a-c-h-a-h-u-s-b-a-n-d um besides that uh you can find me on the street you can find me at school just don't approach me at either of those places (laughs) yeah i live in beautiful vancouver bc canada I live in the metaverse, so uh, I'm actually just a computer simulation this whole time. Uh, oh, you're right. By the time this comes out, we'll we'll all be in the metaverse. Yes, <laughs> we'll all be drinking sweet baby rays in the metaverse. Uh, um, you can you can find me at Jack is uh, Jack on Instagram, only real Jack M on Twitter. I'm so sorry, guys. I don't really I don't use the is this anime in uh, Twitter at all, even though we have gained like a couple followers lately, including Ed the Sock. Um, but our, you know, follow us on at is this anime pod on the uh, Instagram primarily because Insta is just a more fun platform. Uh, Twitter is just for my shitty film opinions and the occasional yeah. viral posts. Yeah, um, yeah, and you can find me at uh, Malcolm R J McLeod on Instagram and Twitter. I'm uh, what you would call uh, Twitter retired. But I still have the account, and uh, you know I'm, I might be lurking in air quotes uh, just to see what's going on on the site. 
uh, you know, because we're in the metaverse and, uh, you know, you got to be plugged in. Uh, yeah, I'm on Instagram. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, follow me there. You can see uh, when sh- live shows are coming back. So I'll be posting when I'm performing uh, improv and sketch, uh, maybe some stand up uh, there. So, yeah, please give it a follow. You'll get those kind of updates and more. And uh, before we go, uh, Jack, what are we covering next week? We are covering Fist of the North Star, the movie, with my cousin Alex. Uh, he also has his own handle, but I'm going to let him uh, introduce it in the episode because I'm yeah. too lazy. Yeah, there's, uh, you'll see, you'll find that out uh, next week. Uh, anyways, uh, I think this uh, covers uh, Cowboy Bebop, the animated series. Uh, thank you so much for uh, joining us on this five-week journey. and We're going uh, forward. We're doing the movie. Anyways, uh, and remember, see you nerds someday, somewhere. See you later, Power Bottoms. L- later, Power Bottoms. Later, Power Bottoms.